What is that when you jump around and carry on and do the who dat, who dat stuff? Who dat, you know, that's really kind of a, a fan, you know, that's that's our, our, our chant. Duncan Holder Podcast back at you. Larry Holder, Jeff Duncan here on the Athletics Podcast Network. Of course, if you're listening to this podcast, you can do it in a variety of ways. You can listen Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, we'd love for you to rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, tell a million. Jump on the Duncan Holder Podcast as we talk all things New Orleans sports. And of course, Jump on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. You can subscribe to not only our podcast, all of our great coverage in print, uh, as far as New Orleans content with Saints, LSU, Pelicans, Tulane, or all of our coverage in every market throughout the country. Uh, we're international. You do it there. You could get 40% off your first year subscription if you subscribe through theathletic.com slash dunk and holder. So go jump on that. But big news today, Drew Brees announcing that he is going to make one more run at it. Well, make another run at it in 2020. He did not specify if this would be his last run, but announced that he will be returning uh, at the age of 41 for the 2020 season uh, as the Saints quarterback, much of which I feel like has been expected. And this is just the first domino to fall into the all the other dominoes as to what happens with Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill. And look, to me, it seemed apparent Drew Brees was not going to go out as someone losing as a big-time favorite to the Vikings and be gone in the NFC wildcard round on a team where he feels like he's still good. And, of course, he's been playing well. I mean, I wrote leading up to the playoffs that the Saints – and Drew Brees, as quarterback, Drew Brees is playing as well as any playoff quarterback from his return in Week 8 to the end of the regular season Week 17 and happened to just have a bad game uh, overall, not just Drew, but the Saints in general, in the wildcard round. So it seemed to me like Drew Brees just needed to decompress and get his bearings together as a 41-year-old quarterback uh, entering the twilight of his career. And this to me is not the surprise. This to me, it would have been surprising if he would have left and retired. And then it would have been a huge quandary uh, as far as where the Saints go. Do they go with Taysom Hill? Do they re-sign Teddy Bridgewater? Do they go in the draft? So uh, this is the easy part. But what's next is going to be some complex parts when you look at what happens with Taysom Hill, uh, you know, what about Teddy Bridgewater and his future, where that ends up. And yet when you look at it, the Saints also need to figure out what's going on with his contract. Here's the economics part of it with the Saints, though. Okay, Drew Brees comes back and we know he's got this dead money. It's about $16 million this year. If Drew Brees doesn't play, it's about $16 million already tied to the cap this year. What kind of money do you think, knowing the constraints of that contract already, that it's basically the Saints doing? It's not like Drew Brees made them do that to him. They did it themselves. What do you think Drew Brees uh, is going to ask for in terms of money? Because say he said, uh, say it's a similar dollar amount of these networks. All right, so I'll play. I'll play for ten million this year, which is like, of course, mega cheap. That would still 
put his cap number as of right now at $26 million. I mean, that's a that's a heck of a lot of money, and maybe they, they punt some down the line again next year. But I feel like Drew Brees has got to come back and play for cheap. Am I, am I misreading this? Well, I don't think he's going to play for that cheap. Uh, I, do, I think he's going to play for maybe what he played for before or a little less. Uh, you know, because you get you get if you get Taysom Hill back, what is it going to be for? If say they pot, uh, tender him at the first round level, it might would be, be around what? six. Let's go, let's go six. Let's call okay. it six million because uh, uh, I don't know if we know the specific number. And, and Sean Payton, I think, mentioned it might be six million dollars if he's at the first round tender. So let's just call it six million, and right. that's just on the tender. Yeah, so six million this year, and I'm going into this thinking probably like you are that. Breeze is going to play one more year. He's going to come back, get the you know the the farewell tour, the Kobe Bryant farewell tour. You know, uh, every market's going to probably do something for him, and he's going to go out on a note that that I think is justifiable for his career. You know, this guy's been one of the greatest players in the history of the NFL. I don't see him walking away losing at home as an eight-point favorite to the Vikings. I just I can't see that happening. I, I don't think it will. The competitor in him is not going to walk away that way. Now, he may not win the Super Bowl next year, but he's not going to go away on that note, especially when he's still playing well. So I think that's what brings him back. You get him for one more year. You get Hill signed at uh, $6 million a year, and then you structure a long-term deal in the future that is backloaded for Taysom Hill to where you eat that you push, you kick the can down the road on the on the cap hit, uh, the dead money for Breeze, and in the first year you give Taysom a lot of money up front in twenty twenty one, and you backload it. And we know that Mickey Loomis and Kai Harley can do that; they do it all the time, and they have to eat that that dead money in twenty twenty one. I think it's very doable. Now we're talking about contracts. We don't know what Taysom Hill's value is. We really don't. And Sean Payton has spoken. Uh, the last, say, Super Bowl week to, and and I think to Peter King as well on his podcast. And uh, look, they anticipate teams trying to give Taysom Hill an offer sheet. Now, that even includes if the Saints attach a first round pick to that. So we don't really know what the market is for Taysom Hill. I think it's, uh, I think the Saints, in my opinion, are going to let the market set itself for Taysom. If they don't have to spend more than $6 million this year, they're not going to do it. Now, if another team comes in, then I think they have to reevaluate how expensive do they feel like they can go on Taysom Hill knowing he's only thrown 13 passes in the NFL and uh, knowing that it's not like he's going to be your... I'm, I'm, I'm going to say his quarterback life for the Saints as a starter would be five years. Max, that's me. Maybe I'm undervaluing that, but... He potentially would not become a starting quarterback until he's 31 years old because Breeze will play this year and Taysom will turn 31 uh, by the time he would actually be the starter, say, in 2021, by the time that season would hit. So let's max it out at five years. Uh, So where does the money go? I, I think that's the tricky variable of it all because... We don't really know what the value is until another team comes in and tries to put a value on him. Well, here's what I think um, is kind of lost in this whole conversation is I think Taysom Hill's value is greatly enhanced in New Orleans compared to other markets. I mean, you've got to have a team 
if you're another team looking at Taysom Hill, you have to have a plan for a guy like that. You have to know how to use him. His fit is not going to be suitable to every team. First of all, there's a bunch of other teams out there that already have investments in their starting quarterbacks. I think we're probably talking about a handful of teams, maybe several teams at most, that need a starting quarterback. And of those, are they equipped to build an offense around a guy with his unique skill set? I would say probably not. Most teams aren't. There's very few Baltimore Ravens out there with Greg Roman that can do that. The Saints are one of the few offensive staffs that have that ability. They're experienced. They know how to tailor an offense to a player's unique skill sets. We've seen it happen. That's what happened when Teddy Bridgewater went down. I mean, when Drew Brees went down. The reason Teddy Bridgewater looks so good in the five games after the Rams game and looks so bad in the Rams game is because the offense wasn't built in the Rams game around Teddy Bridgewater's strengths. All of a sudden, they have a week to work on it. They tailor the offense to Bridgewater. He looks confident. He looks very good. And everything plays out exactly the way the Saints work. That's what I think people are getting lost in this Taysom Hill conversation. The value that the Saints have for him, I think is, and I think Taysom Hill knows this. He knows that he has a staff that will make him better, just like they did. It's a totally different position. I get it. But I use this all the time. Robert Meacham can only run certain routes. You talk to the Saints coaches. He ran go routes. He ran corner routes. Anything basically straight line. He could not transition. In other words, he couldn't run out, stop his body, and cut. Uh, When he did that, he got covered. And the San Diego Chargers came in, made him an offer in free agency to make him their number one receiver. And he was an abject failure in San Diego. They cut him, Larry, after one year. He played one year there. He came back to New Orleans and once again played well in the system because they never asked Robert Meacham to run a route that he can't run well. And what I'm getting at is that's the hallmark of the Saints offense. If there's one thing I've learned in doing this book project It's I've gotten behind the curtain to see how they operate, and they spend an inordinate amount of time tailoring their offense to the strengths of every player in the the skill position group. And that's what they'll do with Taysom Hill. So everybody looking at what he's done in these 13 passes, and it's just so misguided. It's foolhardy. They're going to build the offense around him, just like they did with Bridgewater in those five games, and Bridgewater played fine. And I think they look at these two quarterbacks and say – Who's got the higher ceiling? I think it's clear that Taysom Hill is a higher athletic ceiling. I mean, he's a rare athlete. And I think they see the the off-the-field intangibles. They've had him for three years in the building. You talk to people with the Saints, they'll tell you the one quarterback in the entire 14-year Brees-Payton tenure that's come closest to Drew Brees in work ethic, maniacal, study habits, all that stuff, it's Taysom Hill. They see that. And so it doesn't guarantee that he's going to be successful. But when you have that rare unicorn-like athlete and then you have the -the off-the-field intangibles that they see every day, I think they see the potential. And the potential is very high. Now, it doesn't guarantee he's going to be successful. He may fall on his face. Once the bullets start flying, you never know. But I think they're willing to risk it because they see all the stuff behind closed doors that the rest of the world doesn't. Now, knowing all this, and obviously, Jeff, you would have all this insight more than anyone else because of 
uh, like you said, the book project you've been working on for so long. And and you've been talking with Sean Payton about this for years and years. I mean, you would randomly run into him in Audubon Park. He'd stop you. And uh, uh, his now fiance, Skylene, would be like, Sean, what are you doing? And all he would do is talk to you about Taysom Hill. I remember you telling me these stories so many times in life. But you look at it and, okay, the Saints could have all the faith in them in the world. And I get it. And I'm not against it. It's funny. I I write a lot about Teddy just because I feel like he doesn't get the due that maybe he deserves. It's almost like yep. people just kind of bypass him. Mm-hmm. And I did all the numbers. And we'll dive into more Teddy in a second. But it's not like I don't think that Taysom can be successful. It's just I think that there is a cap on the style of play he's going to be doing, his age, his injury history, and there is a cap on how long this can go. And I look at it as the Saints better draft a quarterback either this year or next year because I can't just myself say, Taysom, it's all yours. Here's the keys. And have like a veteran backup who is whatever and a Sean Canfield, sorry, Sean Canfield, type player like a Garrett Grayson. Like I need a legitimate contender to fight Taysom for the job. I mean, do you feel like that would be something the Saints would do? Because I would not feel, I, I would be very leery if it was Taysom Hill and a bunch of guys who uh, I don't feel like are, are really capable of maybe being a starting quarterback. I think they see enough in him to believe he's the guy, but I don't think they're hmm. going to go in. Like, I actually think what will happen, uh, if you know, all the scenarios you laid out in your piece the other day, which was really good, I thought you had it perfectly nailed down and how this thing's going to play out and what the options are for the Saints. I think the guy that's going to come back here is Chase Daniel. I mean, I think Chase Daniel is going to be the Teddy Bridgewater for this one year that – That does not give me hope, Jeff. That does not calm my nerves. That's going to be the guy. (laughs) He's going to – I mean – if, if there's one Let's be player, honest, Chase Daniel, Chase Daniel isn't exactly the physical specimen of Taysom Hill. I mean, he's a guy who looks like he plays quarterback, stands back there, and has a beer and goes and plays golf. I mean, he, he I think he enjoys having a dad bod. I mean, he's not like this Taysom Hill. So I'm worried. If, you're, if that's the way it is, I'd be worried. I just think it's going to be someone like that. And I know how much they like Chase Daniel, and I know how much Chase Daniel likes Drew Brees. I mean, the one quarterback – that's been mentioned to me that has been in Drew's hip pocket as much as Taysom over the years was Chase Daniel. Uh, and what I mean by that is a guy that's came in and decided, you know what, if I'm smart, I need to learn what this Hall of Fame quarterback is all about. What makes him a Hall of Fame quarterback? Chase Daniel took the practice regimen, the preparation techniques that Drew Brees had with him throughout his career. Taysom Hill's adopted that. And, that, and this is not going to be a knock on Teddy Bridgewater – and it's going to sound that way, but Teddy Bridgewater doesn't do that. And I think the Saints coaches see that. They see who is the one that's learning and, and adopting the principles that have led Drew Brees to greatness. Now, Teddy Bridgewater, everybody's different. Every, I mean, Mark Brunel didn't do it, and so it's not a, just a knock on Bridgewater, but I think they say, if we're going to throw our hat in the ring on somebody, let's throw it in with this guy who is is has the intuition and the shrewd uh, acuity to say, hey, I need to get better, and I think I'll get better. And I think they feel like the development they've seen in the preseason and all these different things, 
give them a reason to believe he's the guy more so than a draft pick who you don't know. I mean, they've had Taysom Hill in the building for three years. You can go out and draft a quarterback, but can they afford to invest high draft capital in a quarterback when they actually believe Taysom Hill is already the guy? I don't think they would draft use a high draft pick on a quarterback when they believe Hill's the guy. I think now maybe a a fourth or fifth rounder, sure, I could see that happening. I that doesn't excite me either. <laughs> I'm starting to sound like like who that fan guy, but uh, like I just think that look, they're not going to be in the market for Joe Burrow. They're not going to be in the market for Tua Tagovailoa. They're not going to be in the market for Justin Herbert. All three of those guys will go. One, maybe if they if the Dolphins are threatened, maybe they even have to trade up a couple spots uh, to go get Tua and Herbert. I don't think falls any lower than where the Chargers pick at seven. Uh, or six, it might be six. Uh, and so the next quarterback on that list is probably Jordan Love. And I don't know enough about this kid. Uh, you know, I feel like that I'm reading that he has Patrick Mahomes uh, tendencies to where they could see him developing into that. Obviously, we don't know that. And we didn't know really Patrick Mahomes would be Patrick Mahomes at that point, even though Sean Payton did. I'm curious how much they dive in and study because Jeff. Look, we've told the story on this pod before. We've told you, we've all told the story publicly how Mahomes was about to be the guy. Uh, you know, what if the Saints do fall in love with Jordan Love? Uh, pardon the stupid pun, but what if they do? And then what do you do? And so, you know, I, I feel like the Saints would pull the trigger. I mean, if they were going to pull the trigger on Mahomes, if they really love the guy, uh, you know, Jordan Love might be a guy that they're so enamored with. Uh, that maybe they do, I, I, but I just don't know it. I'm not just. I'm just not going to discount that yet. I'm not going to. Yeah, discount I'm that. with you. I think you got a good point. I mean, look, we know how the Saints operate. They're just going to take the best players on their board for the most part, and that's all that was with Mahomes. I mean, he was a guy that they didn't need a quarterback then. They had Drew Brees, but he was so highly rated on their board, they couldn't afford to pass him up. They had to stay true to their board if he would have been there. And I think if it's like that again this year. They'll fall in line and take a quarterback. I don't think they would not take one if they feel like the board dictates you do. But I don't think they're going to go out looking uh, to get one. I, I think I, I tell you what, just a little aside, real quick, before we get back into the quarterback talk. I don't know if you heard this or not, Larry, but Peyton said something to, to Peter King. I think it was on his podcast that really opened my eyes. And you and I have talked to him so much over the year. We've heard him the way he speaks. Sometimes certain things you can read between the lines and. Peter asked him about the matchup between the 49ers and Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And the first thing Peyton said was talked about the perimeter skill position players and how when they played the 49ers, he could feel the speed of their receiving core from the sidelines. He goes, it was noticeable. And the way he said it, I just feel like that's something that's going to happen this offseason. I think they gave this group of receivers two years. It hadn't panned out that well. And I think they're going to go all in on something like the Chiefs with a bunch of fast-track, speedy guys. I think Deontay Harris is going to be one of those guys. Uh, I think they're going to try and develop him and become their poor man's Tyree Kill. Uh, but I think that the way he said it, Larry, it just it just struck me as like that's going to be one of those musts for Sean Payton on his list this offseason. And I think they're going to look at trying to maybe overhaul their offense to some degree and, and I know it's a transition with Breeze still there, 
But I think this offense in two or three years is going to look completely different than what it looks like right now under Drew Brees. And I don't think that yet they they dive heavily into free agency at wide receiver uh, just because you don't want to – they've seen so many busts in wide receiver land as far as throughout the NFL. They typically don't do that. and so. But, yeah, th- there's no doubt that that receiving core needs to get faster. But, anyway, you will certainly talk about that another time. But I think that's a, a really good point uh, to bring that up. And it would go along the line, all right, if you moved on to Taysom Hill, he's a little more athletic. Uh, it's not like Mahomes is a big runner, but he's certainly agile in the pocket, and that would uh, uh, that would maybe gear more towards a Chiefs-type offense. So that, I think that's a good point. But, Jeff, before we wrap up uh, the end of the podcast, but let's talk about Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, you know, we've talked about him within this argument, and, and I, I think your point is uh, with the way he prepares – and you've told me this plenty enough times, and I and I get it. I, but I, and I also look at it as Teddy Bridgewater has been a starting quarterback in the league, and it's not like he lost his job because of poor play. He lost his job because of an injury. So it's not like he didn't have a process already of the way he does things. And uh, you know, I, I think teams are are going to like his process, uh, but maybe the Saints are so into all right do it like Drew and we're going to fall in love with you kind of a deal. And so it's like, and Teddy, I've done the numbers uh, within my my article on Teddy uh, Teddy Bridgewater last week. Uh, Look, if he would have gone through an entire season, his numbers would have looked along the lines of some very good quarterbacks, not the greats, but along the lines of very good quarterbacks and good seasons throughout the league. Uh, And, and I did the numbers of quarterbacks throughout the league from ages 27 to 31. So basically, all right, this is what Teddy might look like uh, going forward. And there are definitely quarterbacks have gotten teams to playoffs. Uh, Peyton Manning uh, won a Super Bowl in 2006 with a little bit better numbers. I mean, he had like a quarterback rating of 101. Teddy Bridgewater would have had a quarterback rating of 99.1. So you can win with that. It just it. I, I think the unknown there is that can Teddy maintain or elevate his play? Uh, I, I think that's the question that teams are had because uh, we we've seen the best this this five game stretch that the Saints played with him. Even though he didn't have like not all of his game his games were awesome, but that's probably the best five game stretch of his career. And I you know it's. Uh, he's fortunate that that's the way that happened, and that's why he's going to be looked at in free agency. Yeah, and I think that's the the, the difficulty is evaluating players in the Saints system because I think their offensive staff is so good. I think Sean Payton is so good at tailoring the offense around their skill set. Do you have that in your building if you're another team? Now, I, t- I tell you a team that makes a lot of sense for him would be someone like Tampa Bay. If they move on from Jameis Winston – uh, we've seen Tampa Bay over the years. They've got talent. They've got good defensive talent. Uh, they've got, you know, players all over that team. They need someone that's not going to beat them. And that's what Teddy Bridgewater will do. Teddy Bridgewater will will not beat himself. He will manage the game. He's smart. He's a leader. He's got all the things you look for. But he's not going to carry a team to a Super Bowl by himself. That's just not who he is. He's got to go to a team uh, that's going to have – infrastructure around him that just like he had with the Vikings. Uh, and I think if he can find a team that's a fit like that, I think it's going to be uh, a really good successful situation for him, but he's got to find the right fit. And and I think 
that's the issue that I have right now is where does he fit around the league? What teams need him? And I think someone like maybe maybe San Diego, you know, we know they're going to be looking for a, a, a quarterback probably. Do they go out and get him? They've got good talent as well. So those kind of situations, maybe Indianapolis – uh, a very good offensive-minded coach in Frank Reich. I think he could be successful there. Uh, but what is the market going to be for him? But there's no question that this is. There's no question about this, Larry. He made the best decision of his life coming back to New Orleans and playing one more year behind Breeze and getting that window, that five-game window. It, it increased his market value exponentially, and now he's going to, you know, he's going to cash in and all the stuff he's been through, all the adversity. Uh, overcoming all that, I mean, I couldn't be happier for the guy. Oh, absolutely. And and you look at, you mentioned Tampa, and they've got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. That's certainly a good one-two punch, uh, if you ask me. And look, it's it's not like Teddy Bridgewater couldn't connect with a number one receiver. Uh, he did a lot of damage with Mike Thomas, and you knew everyone was going to go uh, to Mike Thomas whether it's Drew Brees or Teddy Bridgewater. But just to put it in perspective, in those five games, uh, everybody knew Teddy was going to try to hit Mike Thomas. He had Thomas had 42 catches on 52 targets, 551 yards, and three touchdowns. That's in a five-game span. So that's averaging, what, 110 yards a game? Uh, what, almost, what, set eight, more than eight catches a game? So if you throw... Uh, a Mike Evans with a Teddy and add in a Chris Godwin, I might be scaring Saints fans now. <laughs> At yeah. first, I thought I was going to be scaring Saints fans by saying, well, Joe Brady's going to be running a Saints offense uh, in Carolina. Teddy would make sense there. Uh, look, and Bruce Arians certainly knows offense. So it's outside of the Peyton system. If there's one guy that it would make sense, uh, I think you're right with Tampa because of Bruce Arians. Also, I think your point about Indianapolis is right as well. Uh, I think uh, Bridgewater would be an upgrade from Jacoby Brissett and Frank Wright can get that done. And they've got some good weapons there. So I think those two would be targets. But also, Jeff, what if New England and the Tom Brady part ways? I think he would fit well up there, too. So, uh, you know, it, it's uh, there will be a market for him. Now, I saw a report yesterday that said $30 million. I said, that's absurd. No way. There's no way it's going to be, there's no way it's going to be $30 million but no. a year. No, that's, that was insane. But someone, he's going to go, I think he really is going to start somewhere. I mean, I, I, I'm convinced I've watched him too much. I've done too much of the legwork and I'm like as team Teddy as possible. It sounds like you're team Taysom and I'm team Teddy. And I don't think that's the case, but it's just, I feel like we've done the research on both of these guys. You've done it more on Taysom. I've done it more on Teddy. So we, that, we're we like we're like on the debate team. Like we're, we're picked to pick a side. And we're, yeah. we're just like, we're, we're just like having good debate on, on either quarterback who I think both can start in the NFL. Yeah, I, I agree hundred percent. I'm not anti Teddy Bridgewater at all. I mean, I think Teddy Bridgewater is a, a good starting level quarterback in the league. I think that the decision that the saints are trying to make in picking, if they are having to pick, they're really not even, I don't even know if that's fair to say, because I think the timing of their careers uh, is leading a lot of this um, is a huge factor in this. The fact that he's going to command a big a big deal on the open market, and the Saints can't afford to those quarterbacks right now. So the decision, in some ways, unless someone goes out there, like you said, and makes Taysom Hill some 
massive offer in free agency. And to do that, they're really going to have to be taking a leap. I mean, the leap we're talking about the Saints coaching staff making in, in saying that he's the heir apparent to Drew Brees is small compared to someone else saying, we can bring him in here. We don't even know. We haven't had him in the building. We can build our offense around him, and he's going to be our guy, and we're going to give him this huge deal. Uh, and and I, I just think that's a much bigger leap, and I don't know if anybody out there is going to do that. So I think we're going to see Teddy get a job somewhere, play well, be successful, may even face the Saints down the road in the playoffs, and we're going to see this transition to Taysom Hill. And it's going to be a fascinating experiment to see it play out once Drew Brees does eventually retire, which at this point I'm not sure he ever will. But once he does, the Taysom Hill experiment is going to be fascinating to watch. Or Sean Payton is just elevating Taysom Hill's value. Some team's going to sign him to an offer sheet. They take the first-round pick. They use their two first-round picks and go get two at Tagovailoa, and problem solved. Done. See, that's well, easy. One thing for sure, that is not going on. Like Taysom, <laughs> All these people writing that, that Sean Payton is this mastermind built, that, that is so ridiculous. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. He he is 100% in in Taysom Hill's court and and believes he has the it factor to be successful. He's not saying he's going to be successful overnight. He's saying he's got the qualities that you look for. And so if you're looking at him like a draft pick, that's the way I look at this. If you're looking at the draft coming up, do you have a guy that has, you know for a fact, has all the intangibles that Taysom Hill has and the rare athletic skills he has, and you've got three years in the system. I mean, there's so many things that make sense to go with Taysom Hill that the Saints' offensive coaches know. They know. They've had him in the building, and they know more than anybody else. And I think that's why we're seeing such a confidence in Hill that is not going on outside the building. There are two quarterbacks in this draft that I am 100% convinced would thrive in the Saints' offense. It's Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa. I'm I'm – over the moon, convinced that those two would be all pro quarterbacks within the Saints offense. Now, will it be possible to get either one of those guys? No. I mean, that's not going to happen. But if there was ever a year, I wouldn't have said that last year about guys or maybe even next year about guys with with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. I feel like if this were a year where the Saints needed to strike at a quarterback, they would they that they needed to, this would be the year to like trade up high and go after and get their guys. I just don't think they're gonna do that. Obviously, you don't think that either. Uh, so I'm just living a pipe dream and I'll just write some what if columns later on in life, Jeff. Thanks for ruining all my fun. Thank you. No, I'm with you. I think both those guys are gonna be spectacularly successful in the league. The problem is the Saints are drafting near the bottom of the first round, and I don't think they've got the initiative to go up and get them or the wherewithal to do it uh, either way. And let me, let me add this one last thing. I know we're trying to wrap up, but I mentioned this before on the podcast and I'm writing about this in my column about Taysom Hill, the intrigue with Taysom Hill. If you go back and anybody out there listening has NFL game pass can get a copy of the Vikings game from the playoffs. This is the intrigue. Second quarter saints are getting a lot of shell coverage, two deep safeties, uh, they bring Taysom Hill into the game. Uh, he runs for 11 yards. He he avoids a defensive end in the backfield and then outruns two other defenders for an 11-yard gain. The next play, they take Drew Brees off the field. That's a critical part of the play calling. 
You got to get Breeze off the field because he, when he's on the field with Taysom, the defense doesn't respect him as a playmaker. So you get him off the field. They bring in a Will Clapp as a tackle eligible that sells to the defense what? They're going to run the ball. The, the, the Vikings cheat up Harrison Smith. They've got nine men in the box. They only got two men deep. Sell the run. They do a, a play action fake, and they get Deontay Harris deep for a 50-yard game. Biggest play in the game, Taysom Hill throws. I think that back-to-back plays is what Sean Payton and the Saints offensive staff see. They see a guy that can run and get 11 yards, and that's a key factor. He's not just any runner. He's not Johnny Manziel. This is a guy that can run a 4-4, that can elude people. He is a bigger, faster Tim Tebow. He's a better runner than Tim Tebow. He's much faster. They see that, and then they see how it affects defenses, where defenses have to start honoring the run, much like they do with Lamar Jackson. And when they do that, they're in a quandary because now you're vulnerable for the passing game. And Taysom Hill doesn't have to be Drew Brees accurate. No one's going to be Drew Brees accurate. All he has to be is a competent NFL passer because the window is going to be much larger throwing against eight-man boxes in, in the opportunities you have downfield. So I just want to wanted to get that in before we wrap up because we may move on to other subjects in future podcasts. But that intrigue is what the Saints offensive coaches, I think, see. The potential of that in, in a modern NFL game with the way the defenses are going, I think, is intoxicating to them, the potential of it. Man, you would have thought Teddy Bridgewater went to Kentucky the way you talk about Taysom Hill, and you would have thought Taysom Hill went to Louisville. Oh, my goodness. Boy, boy, boy. Turning your back on, on your your Louisville guy for all the Taysom love. All right, Jeff. All right. Maybe you'll be right, but maybe Teddy will be a very good starting quarterback somewhere else. So I think that's where we're going to go. And, look, this is going to be really interesting to see, even going into this year, with Drew Brees, if they're definitely, and we assume this going to be more snaps for Taysom Hill as quarterback. Uh, it sounds like Drew Brees is open to that, and that could be the way of the world, and that will uh, bring some spice to an already spicy city here in New Orleans. So, all right, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Duncan Holder Podcast. I want to thank our incredible producer, Danielle, for putting up with us for another episode again. You can listen to us multiple ways, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. So make sure you rate, review, subscribe, do all those goodies. And of course, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. You can listen to all of our podcasts uh, there and read all the great work that we're doing, not just locally uh, with Saints, LSU, Pelicans, Tulane, you name it. But nationally, of course, draft coverage is top-notch. Dane Brugler, incredible draft guru. We're going to be an army. All of our college reporters and all of our NFL reporters will be in Indianapolis uh, next week for the, the Combine. Easily the biggest army of reporters in the, in the country. So go check it out, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. You can get 40% off of your first-year subscription. So for Jeff Duncan, I'm Larry Holder. Thanks for joining us here on the Duncan Holder Podcast on the Athletics Podcast Network.